Welcome to Black Feminist Rants, conversations on reproductive justice and activism. Black Feminist Rants is a podcast where we focus on reproductive justice, student activism, and what it means to be a young Black feminist today. Each episode, this podcast will serve as a safe space for us to rant about the specific issues surrounding being a Black woman and femme in the social justice landscape. We will also learn and grow as we engage with different reproductive justice and social justice topics. I am your host, Lakia Williams, and let's begin. Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Black Feminist Rants. Welcome back to another season of Black Feminist Rants. This is the season two premiere. I'm so excited to be back. I was really happy to have a break, but I low-key did miss (laughs) coming on here and recording. Um, And so I don't want to take up too much time from this episode. So I recorded a quick little intro that you can listen to before this just to talk about, you know, updates with BFR, updates with my life, um, and what to look look forward for um, for the season. But I'm going to just jump right into this uh, this week's episode. So for this episode of BFR, we are going to be talking about Free the Pill. It is currently Free the Pill Fest. Um, the day this episode airs and the day before, uh, October 13th and October 14th, is Free the Pill Fest, which is basically just a festival for the Free the Pill campaign. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what Free the Pill is in just a second. But so for this episode, it'd be be about free the pill, contraception, equity, and emergency contraception equity. What kind of be the different things that we touch on today? Um, so yeah, free the pill is a program ran by Advocates for Youth and Ibis Reproductive Health, and it has many like partners such as Urge, who is actually running the Free the Pill Fest this year and supporting this podcast episode. So shout out to Urge. Um, but yeah, so. For the purpose of this episode, when I say contraception or birth control, I'm referring to the pill. So for this episode, contraception, birth control, and the pill are going to be all interchangeable. Um, However, there are, are of course, many forms of birth control, including non-hormonal forms of birth control and then the hormonal birth control, which we tend to think of more often. But for non-hormonal birth control, that's your things like condoms, fertility awareness method, which for those of you who may not know, Fertility awareness method is basically just tracking your ovulation and being mindful of when you're ovulating and more likely to become pregnant and kind of avoiding having sex at that that time or using other forms of birth control at that time. Um, So there's those two as well as the withdrawal method or pullout method, kind of like the OG form of birth control. And then we have our hormonal birth control, which people tend to think of when you say birth control. And that's the pill, of course, the patch, the IUD, the depot shot, the vaginal ring, implant, and there's some other forms like the diaphragm and things that are like a little bit less common. Uh, But for this episode, we're gonna be talking about the pill and free the pill is obviously about the pill. So when I say birth control, contraception, or free the pill, just now I'm talking about, or when I say pill, just now I'm talking about the pill. Okay, cool, let's go. So from what I've said already, you can probably infer what Free the Pill is about, but I'm just going to give a quick little rundown. Um, Free the Pill is basically a campaign aimed at getting contraception or birth control or the pill to be designated as an over-the-counter drug. Um, According to the Free the Pill website, Free the Pill is a campaign to educate and engage the public in support of an over-the-counter birth control option in the United States. The campaign supports an over-the-counter pill that is affordable, covered by insurance, and available available to all people of all ages. Um, So currently, for most forms of birth control, you need a prescription, um, which is very unnecessary and paternalistic, specifically for the pill one. Um, 
we being people who have uteruses should not have to present our reasons for wanting birth control to another person i.e a healthcare professional in order to access um can access things that will allow us to control our reproduction so if we're thinking in the reproductive justice framework we shouldn't have to jump through these hoops just to be able to control our bodies and have control over when we have kids if we have kids and things of that nature and i also want to add that um like the free the pill concept or over-the-counter birth control is supported by the american college of gynecologists and obstetricians um and that's just a group of people public health specialists gynecologists obstetricians physicians you know healthcare professionals essentially and public health uh professionals who support this concept who see that who, who realize that you don't need to go to a doctor or a nurse practitioner and get a prescription and then go to a pharmacy and have a prescription fill like all of those are just hoops and barriers um that prevent people from accessing the care that they need so even physicians agree with this concept so i just want to put that out there as well also just thinking of making birth control more accessible um so many more people use birth control other than to prevent um pregnancies such as to treat endometriosis and regulate uh, heavy periods but i do want to qualify that statement and say we should not have to qualify the use of birth control in order to make it accessible for people like Everyone deserves a right to have safe, fun sex without becoming pregnant if that's what they desire. And that should be enough reason, that should be reason enough to make birth control as accessible as possible. We shouldn't have to say, oh, well, birth control, well, you need it for endometriosis and you need it for heavy periods and this condition and that condition. Like, no, having sex and wanting to control your reproduction and have kids when you want to have kids or not have kids is completely up to the individual and they should have every means at their disposal to live the life that they want and control their reproduction in the way that they see fit. So I wanna say that birth control is used for reasons other than preventing pregnancy, but preventing pregnancy is reason enough to make it more accessible for everyone and to have it over the counter. And then also just the concept of having birth control be a prescription-based medication when it does not need to be, is just further like a paternalistic controlling um, and accessible like, dynamic because when we think about the medical industrial complex and the wealth divide in this country getting to a healthcare provider and paying for a prescription can be a financial burden for many people and oftentimes um when we think of the rhetoric that anti-abortion people use they say things like black people have the most abortions and the most dangerous place for black people in the most dangerous place for black people is in the mother's womb and this is a very targeted racist um statement which really condemns black womanhood and motherhood and actually i'm gonna put in a quick little plug and get off track for a second um sister song actually launched a trust black women campaign and research project after some billboards came out that had those like really racist uh targeted slogans on them and this year marks the 10 year anniversary of that research and the project and they're coming out with this amazing video to accompany the results of the project um which really centers black womanhood and the different aspects of reproductive justice and reproductive health care and abortion rights and access and so that's going to be coming out soon so i just really want to plug that because i'm really excited for it but back to my point um anti-abortionists say that black and brown women get the most abortions but it seems as if this is by design. Um, in order to get birth control that will reduce one's chances of needing abortion, you have to have access to healthcare, you have to have transportation, you have to have childcare if you have kids, you need someone to watch them while you go to the doctor, you have to have funds to fill the prescription. And historic historically and currently, black people have had a mistrust of healthcare professionals because of the long history of medical and reproductive abuse in the medical industrial complex. 
in these institutions um, as well as just the systemic racism at large that has kept black people from the type of generational wealth and and or access that and connections that white people by and large have that um that makes having insurance and transportation and disposable income something at their disposal that they can use <laughs> to um, be able to afford and access birth control. That's something that historically and currently black people and brown people don't have because of systemic racism, racism in this country and racism within the healthcare uh, field and profession. So this is a luxury not afforded to black and brown people, specifically the ones who have built this country, such as black and indigenous people, the ones who have been um, oppressed and marginalized and subjugated and just kind of like thrown aside. Fittingly enough, these are the people that we want to control. Um, and in one instance, you have eugenics who are forcibly sterilizing black and brown people um, and people who are differently abled because they don't see us as worthy of reproducing and that this fear of white genocide. And then on the other end, you have forcing black and brown people to have kids not allowing them to have abortions. We know if abortions are legal or illegal, abortions are still gonna happen. You're just taking away the means for people who have the least amount of privilege. You're just making it less safe. You're just making it more expensive. Um, so yeah, that's a whole, <laughs> so it's this really shows how so many of these issues connect because I just went on a whole reproductive justice rant where I started off talking about contraception, which yes, is a part of reproduction, but it was like two completely like different sides of a conversation, but they completely connect because all these things are interconnected and all these systems are interconnected and it's kind of designed that way to where all of our oppressions are tied together. Um, and it's just, it's so wild to me because like I know this theoretically and then when I get to talking and just seeing how it flows and it connects, it's kind of mind blowing how similar all these things are. So yeah, back to the topic. Those were just some of the reasons why um, requiring birth control to be a prescription based medication is paternalistic and unnecessary. Um, and a little bit more into the specifics of why it's unnecessary is if we look at emergency contraception. So emergency contraception or the morning after pill, such as Plan B is an over-the-counter drug. It is more accessible physically, but it's like $50. Um, so it's financially inaccessible for a lot of people. $50 is pretty expensive. So what's really interesting about um, the birth control pill and emergency contraception is that they're very similar medications. Um, so I'm gonna get into kind of the specifics, not too specific, but kind of like the details of the uh, drugs, which is just gonna further show why there's no reason for birth control to be um, a prescription medicine. So many birth control pills use, I'm gonna say this wrong, but they use levonorgestrel, levonorgestrel, that's how I'm gonna say it, I'll have it in the caption, but levonogestrel to prevent the egg from leaving the ovary. Um, and this just prevents, there's no way for you to be get, become pregnant if there's no egg available for the sperm to attach to. So it prevents the egg from leaving the ovary. Um, and this is the same hormone used in most forms of emergency contraception, such as plan B. And in emergency contraception, it's a higher dosage of levonogestrel. Um, and it's what it does in plan B is it prevents the egg from being fertilized. So the egg can have already left the ovary, but it prevents the sperm from being able to fertilize eggs. So there's no fertilized egg. Um, and it can also prevent a fertilized egg from implanting into the uterus. So this happens. So say you have unprotected sex, um, sperm enters and the egg becomes fertilized. Well, if the egg never implants into the uter like into the uterus, then you won't become pregnant. So in order to be pregnant, you have to have a fertilized egg implanted into your uterus. Um, and that's kind of how emergency contraception and birth control is completely different from the abortion pill because 
it prevents the pregnancy from even ever happening. But I know a lot of people like to conflate EC with abortion, with the abortion pill. It's not the same thing, completely different. Um, so um, basically the birth control pill and EC use a very similar mechanism. They both use a progesterone um, with different levels and uh, the birth control pill has some, has some other, I think it has estrogen hormone as well as the progesterone hormone in it. But so they use very similar mechanisms and the emergency contraception actually has a higher dosage, which you would think a higher dose is something we need to more closely monitor. But in the case of contraception, that's, that's not what we're seeing. So um, because EC and birth control prevent pregnancy by similar means, it really makes no sense why they shouldn't both be considered over the counter if one is considered over the counter. Um, and birth control, the pill is already considered an over the counter drug in over a hundred other countries according to the Free the Pill website. So obviously, this isn't just something you know we're making up. Obviously other countries and other governments see a need for birth control to be over the counter because it's more accessible and there's honestly no risk to having people just go up to the Walgreens counter, not even not even the Walgreens pharmacy, just going up, you know, on the aisle and picking up their birth control. Also, there was a study by um, a research center at the University of California, San Francisco, the Bixby Center, that found that if people were able to obtain birth control over the counter, then the rate of accidental pregnancies would decrease by seven to 25%. So almost up to a quarter of unplanned pregnancies would be prevented. Do you know how much that would reduce the need for abortions? This was this would completely reduce um, the decrease the need for abortions. Um, and I want to clarify that statement by saying this is, and I think I mentioned this earlier, this is a completely pro-abortion space. Um, people people are going to need abortions abortions regardless. We can do all the preventative measures that we need to, but things happen and people need abortions, and when they need abortions, they should be able to access their abortions. But abortions. They, they their time they take up time they take up money they take up resources for some people it can um be emotional for them some people it's not emotional at all so if people can avoid avoid needing to get an abortion most people are going to want to go that route so we should have the means available for people who would rather just prevent pregnancy rather than terminate a pregnancy um and it's it's cheaper it's cheaper to just take your birth control than have to pay this lump sum of money for an abortion when we know abortion isn't covered by insurance and it is a very expensive procedure which to me it seems like all this is by design we don't want people to have abortions let's make it really expensive let's make it really inaccessible let's put all these time restraints on it so on and so forth so if we can prevent the need for it or decrease the need for it for people who not who are not going to want to have an abortion who are not going to want to need to have an abortion then we should do that. I just wanna reiterate, um, this is a pro-abortion space. People are gonna need abortions regardless. They should get their abortions if they need them. But if they can prevent it, I'm pretty sure lots of people will want to prevent it because that is just cheaper. Um, so yeah, that was really just me getting into the Free the Pill movement. I feel like I haven't talked about um, contraception a lot on this channel and contraception and preventing pregnancy is definitely related to reproductive justice. Um, we could talk so much about like, the sterilization of Puerto Rican women by testing uh, contraception methods on them for the use of, you know, middle class, wealthy uh, white women. Um, there's so many different aspects of contraception access that relates to reproductive justice and it just by itself in general relates. Um, so I'm really glad that I was able to talk about this and really appreciative of um, Urge for supporting this podcast episode. Um, and so now I kind of want to talk about emergency contraception, which I described a little bit in the beginning, is another form of contraception to be used after unprotected sex, 
unprotected sex instead of before um, and kind of the work that has been done around EC um, access. And I want to say that what we need for liberation is systemic institutional change. So having, so I'm going to talk about the program that I started called Big Easy EC that provides free emergency contraception for students at my school. This is a very nice fix. This is helping the community, but this is only helping people who one, know about the program, two, who go to my school. This is helping a very small group of people. And what we need for liberation of people is the elimination of these structures that prevent them from accessing the things they need. So that would look like birth control being over the counter. That would look like EC being reduced cost so people can actually afford it. Um, so in the meantime, we have we create these programs such as Big Easy EC, but I want to reiterate that this isn't like the revolutionary thing that we need, but it's what we need in the moment while we're working towards revolution. So I just want to like clarify with that. So getting back on script, <laughs> um, because we kind of talked about the similarities of birth control and emergency contraception and how EC is physically more accessible than birth control, however, it's still pretty expensive. Um, I kind of want to talk about, you know, the work that a lot of young people have been doing to organize around emergency contraception access in the U.S. Specifically, a lot has been on college campuses, um, which we can talk about that, too, because that's only a very that's a very specific population of people, very specific privileged population of people. Um, so, yeah, so I'm going to talk about Big Easy EC, but there are programs like the I think Yellowhammer Fund that provides EC to its community. Plan B NOLA from Rejack in New Orleans provides uh, EC to its community. I'm gonna talk a little bit about that, really just reject because that's what I'm familiar with. But yeah, so basically, um, Big Easy EC is a program at Tulane that I started last year. Provides, now it provides free emergency, ooh, I'm a plug, I'm gonna put a plug in too, okay. It provides free emergency contraception. Um, we now have expanded to provide pregnancy tests as well. We also provide condoms, um, yeah. And so basically the concept for this program began when um, there's actually an article coming out soon. It's supposed to come out, I think the Thursday after this airs or the Thursday, the following Thursday. Um, but basically I just, you know, was talking to friends, had had friends who had issues getting emergency contraception uh, freshman year. Um, well, one, college students can't have cars freshmen at Tulane can't have cars. Um, so even people who had the means to afford a car couldn't physically have the car with them. So now you have to pay for transportation um, to like a local Walgreens or whatever. And in New Orleans, for some reason, those stores don't stay open 24 seven. Um, I'm from Texas and like things stay open like Walmart 24 seven, Walgreens 24 seven. But in New Orleans, they actually close at like between 8 p.m. and midnight. So you have to find transportation, have to make sure it's open, and then you have to have $50 just to um just to take basically a contraception and that was a really big barrier and i remember i went to a planned parenthood conference summer after freshman year some people were talking about emergency contraception access it was my very first conference it was the last day like the last workshop i was exhausted i was not paying attention i was just like passively taking in information um and not actively engaged because i was so tired definitely underestimated the amount of energy a conference uh, takes just to be a participant. But um, but even though I wasn't paying attention, I did, I was listening to what they were saying and I did actually take some things away um, about, you know, providing emergency contraception on campus. So then comes my junior year of college. I was president of Students United for Reproductive Justice. I was also the director of Student Health and Wellness and that was for a student government, director of student health and wellness. And the student government president was asking me like, do I have any initiatives that I wanna do? I started brainstorming about 
I just like randomly was thinking about my friend and like the issue with getting emergency contraception freshman year. And then I was like, oh, I heard something um, at that conference. And then I had went to another conference with my internship site, Institute of Women in Ethnic Studies. Shout out to Stephanie Bangle, who was just like taking me to conferences with her. <laughs> um, and was definitely my intro into RJ work. So super appreciative of them. But um, took me to a conference and Rejack Nola was not in attendance, but they had like flyers. And I remember pick, I was so excited to be at a conference. I was picking up all the materials, every like business card, everything. And I saw that they had a Plan B Nola program. So I randomly just messaged Rejack Nola, the Reproductive Justice Action Collective in New Orleans. Um, so then I messaged on Facebook and I was like, hey, I wanna start a emergency contraception program on my campus. I know you guys do some really similar work in the city and I'm wondering if you can give me any guidance. They immediately connected me with Kelly Cleland, who at the time was the director of the American Society for Emergency Contraception and worked at Princeton. And apparently, I didn't know this at the time, she had worked with many student activists who were trying to start emergency contraception programs. So Reject connected me with her. She was so nice, so sweet, so supportive of everything. Um, she invited me to a conference to speak on a panel about youth activism for easy access. And I was really like, girl i appreciate it but what am i going to talk about like i hadn't like i was reaching out to her for help and i didn't have anything to offer to the panel i thought so i mean it was a free trip to dc it was my first time speaking on a panel i was super excited i went regardless i was super nervous um everyone on the panel was so much more experienced than me i definitely had imposter imposter syndrome like out my butt um but i was so grateful that i went i was so grateful that she invited me because just being on the panel around so many amazing people i learned so much about this work um I was just kind of like in awe just to be around all these people and just listening to them talk about how they started their programs and what they did. I connected with one girl from Georgetown, um, Hoyas for Choice. I can't remember her name, but she was so sweet. Um, basically, the Big Easy EC is modeled after Georgetown's Hoyas for Choice program. Um, Cause she was like, she was sending me like their follow-up survey. She was sending me like, tell me how they do everything. She was so helpful. So I came back to school, met with Serge and I was like, oh my gosh, we have to do this. Um, and then I reached out to uh, Reject Nola and was like, hey, so Reject Nola has a program called Plan B Nola where they provide free emergency contraception to people in the New Orleans uh, community. And I was like, hey, I'm trying to start this program. Remember me? Do you think you could donate some EC? And I was so nervous to ask. And they were so nice. They were like, yes, of course. Like, when do you want to pick it up? Picked up the EC, met with Serge, um, the public relations chair at the time, Olivia White. I was like, oh, we need a name. And she was like, oh, Big Easy EC, it's free. And we just were all like, oh my gosh, that's a name. That's perfect, we love it. So like everything came together so, so quickly. Like as soon as I knew I had the EC, like it was up. Um, we tabled at, I think it was Sexual Health Fest at our school. That was our first time announcing Big Easy EC. That was gonna be like our debut type thing um, within 15 minutes after we finished tabling, we started getting requests for EC. People were like, hi, I saw your flyer at Sex Health Fest and I actually need plan B, do you have any? And like, just from there, it was up. Um, my good friend Shamat was writing articles about Biggie's EC in our school newspaper. And now it's just, it's just snowballed and now it's a whole program. Um, now it's recognized by Campus Health. They actually provide us with free emergency contraception now. Um, let me backtrack a little bit. Once they found out about Big Easy EC, they decided to make their EC in the pharmacy free. So students could come to us or just go to the pharmacy and get it for free without having to pay. So that was a big, huge step. Um, and then coming back to school, well, even before we left, they said that they would provide us with EC too, which was amazing because at the time we were using uh, Reject Nola's 
supply and they have they get donations and they also purchase some on their own and they provide it for the New Orleans community and the New Orleans community community's demographics is very different than Tulane's demographics we have um I think like 30% of our students make up the top 1 or 10% of the United States so we have a very privileged group of students and so I didn't want to drain a community resource on students who a lot will have the means to get EC um financially so it was great that Tulane was just going to fund us and support us and I was I'm doing sex week at my school and one of the the program coordinator person was saying how it was so impressive how we like garnered like student power to like get <laughs> the health center to support us in that way and I never even thought of it that way I just kind of was like oh we did this and we did that and like this great thing is happening and like her framing it like that like really made me proud and I was like oh my gosh like we really did something so great so now we provide EC to my school as well as our neighboring school Loyola which is um, a Jesuit university who doesn't provide EC even in the pharmacy and so they can get EC from us and that's basically how the program has developed and changed um yeah so we provide ec pregnancy test and condoms and yeah so i just kind of want to, i've never talked about i haven't really talked a lot about my involvements outside of black feminist rants um i know i've mentioned like i work for reject i work for sister song um and i, I probably mentioned that i started big easy ec but i've never really talked about big easy ec on this platform so i kind of wanted to talk about what it is um maybe if anyone has is trying to start their own program and has questions you can definitely reach out to me um but yeah like i said right before i came on and kind of like gave the history of big easy ec um that is a quick solution to the problem so what liberation would look like was people being not people not having to come to a student-ran volunteer-based organization to get their needs um because they would be able to just go into the store and buy it off the shelves and go and check out at a cash register with someone a cashier who is paid to be there you know um a lot of times i feel like instead of like the u.s or these governments or these systems like doing the liberatory work they just rely on volunteer and community organizing power and labor but at the end of the day we're not getting paid for that and so people should be getting paid for their labor regardless and so um I and you know the volunteers we have the means and we have the time to, to donate to this program and so that's great but people should be getting paid for everything they do regardless um, because you have to pay to survive so you should be getting paid for what you do period um, but um, I'm not upset that I don't get paid for Big Easy EC or anything like that I'm not gonna like unionize against myself um, but I just want to reiterate that that's not liberation and I think that you know student activists who do this work we get a lot of praise and you guys are doing so much and you're going to change the world and it's like you could also change the world by simply paying your interns and planning your student organizers like that would be a step towards changing the world and not just using our labor and our power and saying oh we're centering young people like no pay young people and also this is going to be another episode i'm y'all i'm going off now <laughs> this is going to be another topic on another episode but um the exploitation of student organizers yeah we're doing it for free because we see any in our community but also pay us <laughs> especially if you're sitting there with like a 50,000 or 70k salary and you want to pay us you know pennies to do like student organizing that's not okay that's not cute um but that's gonna be the topic of another episode this one's about contraception equity and free the pill so i need to stay on track but yeah i definitely support free the pill and i think that if we had over-the-counter birth control method um, that would be more of like the revolutionary liberatory steps that we need to take versus, you know, the 
plan B programs that we have. Um, that wouldn't be a revolution, but that would be a step in the right direction versus kind of Big Easy EC, which is kind of more of a reactionary uh, program because of a need that we've seen. But direct service is amazing, but we need to have the policies in place to where direct services are being provided by our government that we pay taxes to, um, that the president doesn't even pay taxes to, but that's a whole nother thing. Um, so yes, yeah, so our governments that we pay taxes to who are supposed to support and provide for us, especially when we are giving our labor to them. But we're gonna have a, we, we're gonna have so many more episodes. Um, this actually isn't planned for season two, but I definitely wanna have one about labor and socialism and communism. I'm going to be on a panel October 21st on socialism and reproductive justice. So hopefully there will be a BFI podcast to jump off of that discussion. Um, but yeah, that is all I have. Thank y'all so much for listening to this episode of BFR. Be sure to check out Urge on Instagram. They are urge, U-R-G-E underscore org and see some of the great content that some youth activists have been putting together for the Free the Pill Fest. And I will say that Urge is paying students to do this work in ways that I haven't seen other orgs do, um, paying pretty well for people to create content for them um, instead of just asking students to do things for free or for promotion or publicity sakes um but actually giving them money so i really appreciate them i don't have a lot of information about urge and i can't really speak to them as an org as a whole but i do know for the free the pill fest they definitely did things right um and did right by the people that they were contracting or hiring or whatever so um definitely check out that um and definitely i know advocates for youth has a free the pill council so uh find out ways you can get involved with them um, and there's so many, like people ask, how do I get involved in reproductive justice? There are so many facets of reproductive justice and so many different aspects that you can really find your way to fit in anywhere. Like there's, there's like labor, there's contraception access, there's abortion, there's incarceration, there's environmental health. There's so many different aspects of reproductive justice that any like social justice work that you're doing probably relates to RJ. So just find where you're passionate about and it'll probably relate to RJ. Um, but I'm rambling now. Uh, thank y'all so much for listening and I will talk to y'all next week. Bye.